0: all right we are live everybody welcome to another episode of the break the rules live stream i'm your host love polyakov at love Poe on twitter And we are here with a wonderful panel. We have Alexander Bard, Jack the Perfume Nationalist, newcomer to the stream, the wonderful Jane Gatsby, also newcomer to the stream, and the always exquisite Neil Gnostic informant, master of all ancient knowledge. And you've been putting out some amazing videos recently, uh, especially the one about uh, El, Yahweh. It's all all very interesting, and uh, hopefully we're going to talk about this as well. But we are talking primarily today about Camille Paglia, primarily about sexual personae, personae, not sure how to pronounce it, but it's a great book, highly recommend everybody to read it, talking about the various expressions of uh, male and female sexuality throughout the ages. And I especially want to tie it into what's happening today. But first, uh, for the newcomers here, I would be very surprised if people have not heard of Jack the Perfume Nationalist and his wonderful podcast, which I highly recommend everybody checking out. You are a man of culture. You are a man of good taste. You combine some of the best perfumes together with some of the best movies and some of the best guests. You had recently the uh, creator of White Lotus, which is uh, quite something. That's quite amazing. And uh, Jane, you are a wonderful writer talking about a lot of the things that are going on today in our very divided culture. And you're very much in agreement, I think, with Alexander Bard about how now we have to come together into our own tribes. And hopefully we're going to be talking a little bit about that as well. But I want to start this conversation Mm -hmm. out first saying, once again, everybody who's listening to this, be sure to smash that subscribe button, like, and please share this video out to everybody you know. Sharing this video out is extremely important to get the word out about BTR, Break the Rules, which brings everybody together. So I want to start out with Alexander. What does Camille Paglia and her work mean to you, especially along lines of sexual persona? Oh, she's an anthropologist. And I think anthropology
1: is incredibly important today. Uh, first of all anthropology is becoming the first real social science we never had any social sciences before we just had guesswork that was deeply ideological and 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 the whole pretense of social science was they would be something similar to natural sciences well but you can't do science on human beings that's impossible as soon as you try to sort of trick us into a certain behavior we will certainly you know transgress it and do something entirely different just because of humans so you, you can't do that. Like uh, with anthropology, you can because you can measure behavior. You have data flows and all that. So we have a golden age of anthropology ahead of us. That's for sure. And anthropology really started in the 20th century, started kicking big time. You had the speculative anthropologists from René Guénon to Marseille Alliade all these guys that did wonderful work. But then at the end of the 20th century, Camille Paglia came along, and just when the first really great female philosophical voices being heard, from Hannah Arendt on to Julia Kristeva, and philosophy and psychoanalysis were reformed with a new, very smart female voice, Camille Paglia came along and radicalized anthropology with a new female perspective. Not only is it female, I would say that it's way beyond that. It's It's more like... In my work with Jan Söderkvist, we basically say that any population over time will develop a certain pattern because we were all the same originally. We were all nomadic, um, nom- nomadology, the teachings of a nomadic tribe would have to contain certain truths. Um, and uh, also we know that we have a very shared origin, at least most of us are homo sapiens, basically 97% of us are, and, and we come out of Africa 40,000 years ago. So w- we know that we share a lot of things any population. And what turns out is that just about every population you measure has about 4% of the population of clear characteristics of what we call LGBT. And another 4% of clear characteristics of what we could call shamanoid personalities. Sometimes they overlap, mostly don't. But that's about 8% of the population. 92% of any population are regular Joes and Jills. That's the masses, 92 percent of the population, regular Joes and Jills. Right? They're Normies. not that imaginative. They're basically reproductive. That's what Joes and Jills are. So the shamanoid and androgynous characters, uh, or the, these two castes, if you want to call them, shamanic cast and androgynous cast, are incredibly important for culture. And this is exactly Camille Paglia's point: is that the man of mythos, usually a gay guy, the woman who can ride the logos-pathos dichotomy, usually a lesbian or similar. Um, have a enormous advantage when it comes to being cultural producer, producers of, of efficient, of, of ex- excellent culture. And that's exactly Paglia's point. So she rereads art history and finds these very odd characteristics. These odd characters, the shamanoid and the androgynous characters, are as the, 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 they cross the borders. They, they go between cultures and therefore they thrive culturally. And whenever we go away from nature's norm and go to culture's norm, the shamanoid who go in between tribes and the androgynous who go between genders within the tribe are these borderlings that actually thrive. I I saw it, for example, went to Burning Man the first time. You know, in a normal population, you have 4% of each. Well, it's more like you've got 30% faggots and things at at Burning Man, which is wonderful. They have the best camps and of course the best parties and they sleep with anything that moves, at least as long as they're all gender. And and then you got another some 40% of people who go to Burning Man are clearly shamanoid characteristics. So these groups, the shamanoid and androgynous that I want to unify because they have, they share enemies, right? They need to be identified. They need to be defended anthropologically. They're absolutely essential for the survival of any population in the community. And I think I share with Camille Paglis this deep interest in anthropology celebration of these specific characters, the
0: shamanoid and androgynous. And uh, Jack, would you consider yourself uh, being a uh, gay man of good taste to be a shamanoid?
2: Oh, that's very flattering. Um, But yeah, I mean, I kind of subscribe to the old uh, Victorian idea that homosexuals uh, have, like, women's brains and men's bodies. I mean, it's always kind of resonated with me, Um, not in an entirely, uh, like, literal one-to-one ratio kind of way, but, um, like, as a homosexual, in my experience, at least, you um, are more comfortable around women. You kind of grow up uh in the female world um and then men become more appealing to you as you get older but they have this kind of exotic aura that you can't relate to or they're just plain boring and um boring when you're a kid um but you know heterosexual men tend to uh you know commune with other guys and bond with other guys and then women become interesting to them later um but i do think uh homosexuals have this kind of um value as a uh, hermaphroditic surveyors of uh culture and history uh at their best um, because they can see essential truths about gender and men and women and heterosexuality that normal people are kind of blind to
0: interesting and uh, jane gatsby you started uh, reading Sexual Personae. What are some of the things that you're noticing uh, when reading this book as far as what Alexander is alluding to and what Jack is alluding to here?
3: Oh, man. Um, I, I, I don't have to be completely upfront. I only got through the first chapter because I was uh, last minute. That's, out of that's, that's the answer. important part. Yes. 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 Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the famous part. Um, and I just thought it was very interesting. I mean, obviously, she's providing a lens that's like, it can be simultaneously very insightful, but it's also uh, writing such a hard dichotomy that I can understand why her writing kind of alienates a lot of people that are looking into it. Um, But I think that's also very, her insights are very necessary in a time where like, I'm growing up with people my age, where they're so antithetical to any sort of idea that there are baked in sexual characteristics that people possess that may be uh, giving them certain inclinations and structuring our society in meaningful ways. So I can see why she's having a resurgence right now in popularity, because she's speaking to these ancient truths that we've kind of, for a long time now, been shy about necessarily acknowledging or, um, like, yeah, validating.
0: What would you say would be your response to how she sees femaleness, where she talks about it being this Dionysian force, very liquid-like, very... I would say entrapping, always changing, not really something solid and mathematic, where let's say for, uh, and I don't want to speak for uh, the view of people who are gay, let's say, but that there has been, at least going from the ancient Greeks onwards, this identification with the uh, perfect male body, everything mathematical, everything, everything correct, and there was some sense of structure there, as opposed to this very... Loose, dark, uh, ambiguous, slimy, or you know, whatever you want to call it—like that kind of uh, Chtholian female nature as she described. So, as a woman, I'm very curious what your take is on that female nature that she was describing.
3: Um, I definitely think like it's interesting because she's not the first person to say this obviously like I'm uh, very interested in Taoism and so that's a very ancient idea as kind of this womanliness being associated with chaos and nature and darkness and ambiguity and then masculinity is yang and that's like the straightforwardness and certainty and kind of culture and everything else. I don't, I've always felt like a very like male brained woman. So I um, kind of relate to both of those aspects. I think it's interesting because she's writing it from this very kind of decisive point of view. But then she herself says that she kind of identifies with being a transgender person. And so I'm curious from her kind of subjectivity if she falls more into that Apollonian or Dionysian archetype. Um, Because how can she be speaking to these things with such certainty when she doesn't actually necessarily identify so strongly herself with that more Dionysian, nebulous uh, characteristic?
0: Good question. Alexander, what what do you think?
3: No, it makes perfect
1: sense. So... uh, Two guys that are, that are sort of closely aligned with all of us here obviously, Raven Connolly and Owen Cox. And I've happened to have had them here as house guests in Stockholm over the last two weeks. And they're fantastic. They're real poglins. If anybody else would join this conversation, it would be Owen or Raven. But Raven and I worked on a model where actually you could just sit down and have two switches. And you could identify all these different differences in gender and sexual orientation in one. You could also include transsexuals in the model. And the way it works is this. So, so imagine you have two switches. Like, There's one literal worship and there's a symbolic worship. So the literal worship and heterosexual man, if we start with him, because otherwise he feels outside if you don't start with him, heterosexual man has a literal phallus worship. Otherwise, he would like to change his gender. He likes his dick. A pussy is basically a complement to his dick. It's a garden that his dick apparently needs. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like a dick. So the, the, the literal worship of the phallus and the symbolic worship of the phallus is the brain or, or the mind of the heterosexual man. The heterosexual woman has a literal worship of the Matrix. Her own pussy, you know, and her mammala her breasts, her body. Uh, And and of course, she also then has symbolic worship of that. She takes to other women culturally. She understands other women. She goes into what we call the inner circuit of a society. That's why women are much better at living in big cities than straight men are. They get along much better. A woman can live with a dog and be perfectly happy. A guy who lives alone kills himself in porn and computer games in no time at all. Straight men are not very imaginative when it comes to urban environments, clearly, right? And they're not on Instagram. So... what you then do is then you look at the gay man and you discover that, okay, he has a literal worship of the phallus just like the straight man has, but then a symbolic worship of the matrix. And the way I describe it is that you can go to even the toughest, roughest gay leather bar, but you will hear Lady Gaga on the sound system when they're fucking each other in their ass. Like, right? the woman is always <laughs> present somewhere. You know, if nothing else, it's a fag guy at the door. who fucks the straight guys who walk through the door. This this unit between the fag and the gay guy, I'm very interested in. So is Camille Pogba. She goes into these... These are relationships that other people have look, look put aside that actually are instrumental to keeping a community together and understands those. For example, I'm also obsessed with the nightclub owner and the brothel madam who know everything in the community. And it's precisely that it's by reading Pagla I got interested in that kind of work and interested in these characters. And then when you look at the entire trade routes of world history, like the Silk Road, every fucking trading post, had a, had a gay woman, a lesbian woman who run the fucking hotel and restaurant, but a straight woman brought the madam around the house. And in between them was the bazaar and all the trade went, went on there, right? Strong women everywhere in these cultures, strong women keeping angelic together. And certain men, for example, gay men also instrumental to keeping a community together. And then you discover that, of course, a lesbian woman then has the switch is that it's matrix worship, literally. She loves to lick pussy and have her pussy licked, but symbolic phallus worship. The only thing we had to work on is the understanding of this is that basically the male straight male mind is a dichotomy, a constant struggle between logos and pathos. The two brain halves are at war with each other at all times in a straight male mind. Camille Paglia agreed completely on this understanding of the straight man mind. Camille Paglia always, she says it, that she's grateful she's a lesbian and a butch dyke or whatever, because at least she doesn't have to live with that sort of split brain that straight men seem to suffer from constantly, right? Now, that's not the case with gay men. Gay men are in the mythos all the time. They're mythos all the time. They might have a problem differentiated between fact and fiction. Many straight men are very mythomanical, but they're great at theater. You go to Broadway, you go to West End in London, you know, any play with any sort of talent in it is written by, performed by gay guys, period, right? Uh, so the, the mythos mind in the man is the gay man ma- ma- mind. It's gay man mind. That's what's so crucial to culture. That's what we still suffer today from the 10 years of AIDS when, you know, a million gay men in the West died. And culture is mediocre today because of it. Fashion is ugly, you know, where an entire generation of gay men who should also have be been the teachers for the next generation of gay men are gone. This is a typically Paglian perspective. And then, of course, you got the lesbian woman left. And with her switch, is like, where do you find the logos pathos divide? It took me years to find it. But by sitting down and working with lesbians to try to go into their minds, I discovered it. It's in the relationship between the lesbians. They're obsessed not with the male female dichotomy. Their yin yang is the butch dyke and the femme. And the thumb is a very strong woman. She's the logos of the two. And the butch dyke is the pathos. And when I start explaining to lesbians, they said, Finally, somebody gets us. It's like like you you finally have the tools with these switches to understand how sexual orientation in gender understand. And of course, the last end is that we also solve the problem with transsexuality. If you cannot literally worship the the genitals you're born with, they're the wrong ones, change them. But you can become either straight or gay, doesn't matter because you have no idea where you're going to go symbolically after you've taken the hormones. Also fits perfectly with transsexual. So we have a complete model for LGBT in relationship to transsexuality that makes sense.
0: Wow, that's a... It, that's it's qu- totally
1: Paglian. You see, this is how yeah. Paglia thinks. We're incredibly inspired by Raven, Raven is a Definitely Well, I,
0: I want to get Neil in on this uh, from a, a historical perspective or anywhere you want to take this.
4: Well, interesting so far. I didn't, uh, I didn't know exactly what we were going to be doing, but this is interesting stuff. I, I was just thinking um, what I'm interested in is how, how normal and accepted all this stuff was in the ancient world. And then all of a sudden, right around fifth, sixth century, it's like we lost that. Like if you go back farther far enough, um, like um, Planet of the Elder writes about people who transition. You got a Roman Emperor El He was based. He was trans. She. He, she. She was trans. Um, you know. You got Hadrian has a cult for his boyfriend who died in the, in the Nile River, and the Dionysian religion itself was basically. You know, you have your Bakken's over here. You have your Kentors over here and frenzies and and people hooking up. And it was fluid is what I'm getting at. Things were fluid back then. And I'm interested in what happened to that sort of mentality of society where all of a sudden now we look at things like this and we're like, oh, God, get away from me. Like, you know what I mean? So I'd like to hear some thoughts on that, maybe.
1: Christianity.
4: Yeah, <laughs> that's the obvious one, right? Yeah,
1: the most boring idea ever, and a lie too.
0: <laughs> right, but look at uh, look at Kanye West right now, going on Alex Jones's show and talking about Christianity. It seems like. At least, okay, this could be a bit listen, of a tangent. Listen, Kanye yeah. West
1: is great, but he's not a fucking philosopher. He's just a madman. He's, <laughs> he's a trickster. He's, he's Dionysian. Of he's that. Dionysian. I, I don't even know if he's Dionysian. Yeah, he's well, very he's- confused. But he's intuitive. And I like it when he undresses guys like Friedman and really exposes them for, for the belittling of him. I think Kanye West is fantastic. But he's precisely what we need right now. We need more crazy wisdom tricksters out there. But don't mistake the crazy wisdom teacher for being a proper wisdom teacher teacher at all you, you, you can't get wisdom from Kanye west it's madness it's a tv show right
0: jack what is your opinion on the uh, crazy wisdom that's going on today you'd say like and i don't want this to turn into elon musk kanye west all of that although that is in the news right now let's face it we are in the sinsocracy we are going to be a part of it one way or another so any thoughts on that and possibly how we can relate this to the uh, Cthonian uh, or Dionysian versus Apollonian natures?
2: Uh, I find the Kanye spectacle this year to be pretty depressing. I mean, there's a certain entertainment value, but I'm getting tragic Final Days vibes from him. Right now, he looks like kind of puffy and, and uh, lost. Uh, but this seems to me to be Yang Gang 2.0, which if you uh, were around for that, it was just this uh, kind of absurd uh, third candidate intended to, to divide the right and, uh, you know, suck support away from Trump. And it was such an obvious op. Um, I, I I don't like uh, Kanye's, that he's chosen, uh, you know, anti-Semitism and protocols of the elders of Zion um as his cause uh when the truth is that you can just talk you should just talk about the evil of the democrat party and the authoritarian (laughs) the tyranny of the last few years uh you know with COVID and censorship and falsified elections and all of this um this is not the time to be uh you know going after Jews um I i don't know i i i have uh you know can, been can off- i
1: ask you can i ask you one thing jack then? uh you know when he and candace went to paris and stole the show with the white laws matter t-shirts uh isn't the real tragedy here not that they were best in show because they clearly were but isn't the tragedy the rest of the fashion Week in Paris was so fucking bad (laughs) and untalented
2: and boring. That they
1: stood out wasn't that the real tragedy here?
2: It's totally lost, but that stunt seemed so late. Like, what what year is this? Is like, you know, no, it
1: worked. It worked. It worked. It worked in this kind of like bug
2: brain way, but it's it's not what I want right now.
0: Um, But I guess are you not in the minority of people? People who actually have more nuance are usually going to be in the minority. Something that you may think would be, you know, uh, b- below you may be something that's absolutely fine to the majority of people, like something that actually excites them while you would probably be over it already.
1: Oh, come on, Lev. You're always defending the masses. We are an elite. You're having an I, elite conversation. I don't conversation. trust the masses. No, I don't um, trust the masses. I, and I, I don't like the direction the
2: conservatism has gone in the last year, the kind of Tucker Carlson— um, endless feedback loop about drag queen story hour i've been very vocal about all of that and i think that it's uh really um frankly embarrassing the continued satanic panics like i, I what will these people do when they find out that like you know there's a pentagram on motley cruz shout at the devil album like this is this is just really low stuff to me. And I've never, I've always thought that uh, the kind of Alex Jones um, satanic pedophile elite uh, conspiracy theories are a safe thing because they're so abstracted and fantastical. And it's actually, that's why they kind of appeal to leftists and dirtbag leftists because simply saying that the Democrat party is responsible for uh, the America being an expensive shit show with no law and order right now, that's more dangerous than um, abstracting it into this ice wide shut stuff, which is always open-ended, you know, it's, it's sensational and it's tantalizing and emotionally appealing in a way because everyone wants to think that there's like a devil in this literal sense lurking behind things. And I mean, I, on the one hand, I think it's kind of good that uh, people are, getting in touch with their instinct and spirituality, uh, in some way after, you know, so many years of dead gray liberalism. But I think this is really silly. And I think the messaging on the right should be, uh, more common sense, uh, free speech, uh, conservatism, um, not this Um, devolving into endless circular discussions of gays, abortion, and Satan.
0: Well, I want to go back to uh, Paglia, but going back to it through what you just said right now, where it seems like there is a, a freak show on display right now, People always complain about, uh, from the conservative side, people always complain about clown world. But in a way, I feel like people are becoming clowns themselves or being extremely attracted to seeing clowns prancing around at the circus because it's something that stimulates their senses to the point where I think a lot of people who are opposed to a lot of, let's say, more conservative values, they want there to be more people like that. They want there to be more clowns in the circus so that they're not taken seriously by enough people that would never vote for them to begin with so i don't know that just feels like the situation we're in right now where there's too many people who make a circus out of themselves. And I think the most dangerous person would be somebody who would have a lot of common sense things to talk about. Kind of like, I don't know, like a DeSantis, for example, somebody who would be opposed to certain things, but not saying it in such a way that they would instantly start being perceived of as some kind of a, a clown or a freak show or at least uh, wouldn't be given enough ammunition to be perceived of as such. But going back to Paglia here, do you guys see in her her, uh, book talking about how, for example, in ancient Rome, things started to get into this Dionysian state of the emperors dressing in these very provocative ways, the emperors becoming the uh, uh, female receivers of um the penis and all that do you see something in common with where we are today culturally speaking that we're also headed into this dionysian circus i no, mean not we're,
1: at all not at all I don't, I don't see that at all i think we did that already that was like the 1970s right the hedonism
2: i so think, think we're that, in a yeah. more sexually repressed time yes. than yes. we've ever been in in human history straight yeah. up i think that i the no, I think that it's a, a false idea propagated by conservatives that there's this, uh, you know, continuous sexual bacchanal happening because of their, their, their largely inaccurate ideas about what stuff like OnlyFans is. You know, the truth is a lot more mundane than what they think it is. Um, I think that after Me Too and uh, which was a liberal panic against sex, um. I think after 10 years of uh, you know woke liberalism and all of this, that people are more superstitious and more frightened of the fact of human sexuality than at any other point in history. And the censorship on both the left and the right is completely extreme. Um, and people don't seem to really notice it. Like you can see it in pop culture, you can see it in movies. Um, it, there has there hasn't been eroticized female nudity in movies or tv shows substantially in a quarter century this really ended in the 90s um but now if a single movie or show dare, dares to show like an attractive young woman's breast then we have um cancel pieces about it from both the right and the left um saying that she was victimized it betrays this real uh embarrassing lack of sophistication, (laughs) lack of uh, uh, critical faculties, and lack of knowledge of art, cinema, and history, and I think that the sort of uh, brain-melting, brain-frying effect of two years of COVID uh, compounded that as well.
0: Interesting. Well, I want to hear what uh, Jane Gatsby has to say about that. I don't know. Are you on board with uh, Bard and Jack?
3: Um. I I was a little bit surprised when you said this is like the most sexually repressed time in human history, but I kind of, I think I know where you're coming from, I think there's kind of a lack of, at least definitely with people my age, um, like romanticism or like sex is either you're having lots of it and it's meaningless or you're having none of it and there's sort of like a resentment around the idea. Um, and then I'm thinking about, you know, things like the Balenciaga controversy and stuff like that and how much what you're complaining about with attention being drawn to kind of the wrong aspects of the culture and being worried about these satanic things and how much of the attention is there because of the fact that this is such a taboo topic and you can get people really easily lathered, up because of it, even if it's kind of ultimately superfluous. So what, yeah, yes. but I'd
1: say that Me Too was incredibly reactionary. Mm-hmm. There was nothing radical about Me Too at all. And the problem we have in Scandinavia is that they changed the law in 2018 and we now have a huge scandal coming where thousands of guys, men, have been locked up in prison for rapes they never committed. It's just gone Mm -hmm. completely overboard here in Scandinavia. It's just been absolute madness the last four years. And the reckoning is already happening here. Thankfully, at least, you know, historically, the maddest places are also the ones where the dialectical turnover usually happens. I think there's a reckoning here as well that we were not, we are int- intensely sexually repressed in culture today. Padla hates actually what's going on at the moment. She's, she's, she's very, prof- I think she's doing work on Native American Indians now or something like that. I'm also <laughs> going deep into history, in my work right now, because the contemporary times will live it because they're so repressive and they're so, you know, reactionary when it comes to culture. Politics not even in, in, on the agenda here, yep. and I think the problem me too was that I have now a lot of young women here in Scandinavia. who call me because I'm very public here, and I was public against me too. And I said, "This is the, the pe- people are going to pay the price for this campaign are going to be young women eventually." And now these young women call me, and they don't get offers any longer to the top jobs because no man over forty years old will ever want to be in a room with the twenty-three year old sexually attractive woman any longer, because she, if she doesn't get what she wants, she can accuse him of anything, including rape, and he will be sentenced for it. Ooh. This is madness. So, we're breaking down actually now. We're breaking down the sort of function, decently functioning relationship we have between men and women in the past. We're breaking down by to- completely sexualizing every space where a man and woman are in the room at the same time. We're assuming that as soon as a man and woman are in the room, everything is like highly sexual in the room. I mean, it has to be repressed.
4: Let me ask and you this. This
0: obsession with sexual oppression is, is very neo Victorian. That's the way I would describe the twenty. All right, first Neil and then Jack, because I know you guys both have something to say as well as Jane. So Gnostic, go for it.
4: Do you think that the whole Me Too movement might be making men scared to hit on women now? Because they think that if I hit on women. No, no,
1: no, no, no. The smart guys, they're twenty-eight years old, they make a living, they're decent, they fuck MILFs, they fuck forty two year old women on Tinder like mad. They don't go <laughs> they don't go close to twenty-three year olds. And if they they have blacklists of any younger girl who shows any sort of mental breakdown behavior? Just skip her. Don't go close to her. Right. Sure. So they have these lists and they, they take recording equipment with them to their dates. That,
4: that that, that's, that's how tense it is. That explains enough. them. But what about the others? Do you think they might, you know? It might, attribute to the, it, might, it might attribute to why Jack thinks this is a sexual. Oh, we're,
1: we're still having guys to try to have sex with women who are younger than themselves. And many of them get locked up. I talk to these guys every yeah. week. But of course, among even female lawyers now, there's a debate here in Scandinavia. What the fuck did we do in the last four years? I mean, this is madness. A, we were supposed to, you know, you we were supposed to have evidence beyond reasonable doubt. And suddenly you're talking shit in the courtroom because a girl does. is perceived as evidence. It's, it doesn't do the women any good either. There will be a reckoning, of course. We will get over this period, too. But I, I would agree completely with Jack here that we live in a tragic time in the sense that we live in a very sexually repressed period right now. Jack? Very repressed.
2: Well, the demonization of men and basic male sexuality for the last decade uh, has fed into the current transgender mania. Um, and, you know, you ask, our men are young men, like, even trying to hit on or have sex with women. No, a large um, result of this is that uh, they're going on the computer and um, ordering knee-high socks from Amazon and putting on a wig and just becoming the woman themselves, like uh, Norman Bates. And, you know, I'm making a joke out of it, but really the demonization of men in every single area of life, in the workplace, uh, you know, sexually, just, I go... In the toy aisle at Walmart or Target, there are no toys for boys anymore. Everything is unisex or for girls. Um, and even the stuff like G.I. Joe's or like dinosaurs, it will have a picture of um, like a professional uh, black woman riding the dinosaur. So they have to triangulate, <laughs> you know, Viola Davis riding the dinosaur there. So they have to triangulate through that uh, even more. And I'm saying this as someone who always liked the girl toys, too. I didn't even really like the boy toys. Um, But, uh, yeah, Me Too was uh, a witch hunt against male sexuality. And it was also a liberal um, reaction against sexual liberation. Um, Because, you know, speaking of Polly's dichotomy of, you know, women being In the dionysian thonian swamp of you know nonsense and instinct and emotion and all of this um me too basically made it so that uh women can retroactively go into the past and decide that any sexual encounter they've ever had was rape or there was a power differential they have no responsibility it's uh you know it's it's anti-feminist too because it's saying that women effectively cannot consent ever because there is always a power differential. <laughs> there, There is always alcohol involved. Uh, you know, and palia was talking about all of this in the 90s because there were the, the kind of campus rape panics in the 90s that were overblown as well. And everything she was talking about a quarter century ago kind of disappeared and then came back in the 2010s. And leading up to Me Too and the formation of Uh, 2010s liberalism and uh, Black Lives Matter and cancel culture and all of this, there uh, was a sort of reprisal of satanic panic stuff. Uh, If you remember, there was a Rolling Stone article about campus rape um, by that was, you know, I was a former editor of Erotica and it read just like all the erotica that I uh, used to edit and it was proven to be completely false. It was like, you know, this girl undergoing satanic ritual abuse by uh, hot Chad white frat guys. Um, did anyone pay for that being false? No, but it was an early warning sign that all of that was coming back.
0: Um, and- Is it also a coincidence by the way, that we ended up having books like 50 shades of gray as well as uh, Oh, series- you must not say yes. that.
1: You must not say that loud. The one tweet I wrote that exploded and was like retweeted a million times over was simply a question in 2018. The question was, isn't it interesting that the two most common hashtags on Twitter this year are slash me too and slash Fifty Shades of Grey? I just asked that question. It exploded because precisely the Poglian attitude is that we brought back the female hysteric. Which is, which is which she hates. It's just it's the worst form of femininity has been idolized by radical feminists in the most despicable way against women themselves. What Pagla says is that the per- Puerto Rican mum, in her New York suburb, comes out on the street and says, "Oh fuck you guys!" Get you away. Know, that's the female strength. She's always defending, which well, she says that this is womanhood. These women are mature, strong women. Women are strong. They're not weak, hysterical bimbos. And the funny thing is that Me Too brought back the weak, hysterical bimbo because I said, oh, I don't know what happened. Uh, I, I just slept with the guy 10 years ago. And then I talked to my friends. And six years later, I came to the conclusion that something abusive must have happened. And therefore, now I'm going to put him in jail for the rest of his life for rape. It's it's Mm -hmm. just, what the fuck is that? What kind of femininity Mm -hmm. is that? This is the problem question.
0: Jane, what do you make of this?
3: Yeah, I definitely think that girls nowadays are growing up very sexually terrified because they're being taught that there's rape and threat around every single corner, but also because the culture isn't teaching like empowering them to do anything about it it's not telling you that if you're in your sexual context and a guy's making moves on you and you don't feel comfortable with it you can in that moment assert your boundaries vocally and remove yourself from the situation it kind of makes you all placid and like um delicate and malleable um and then you have this problem with then later any sex that you look back upon and maybe have some regret around or maybe there's some drugs involved or whatever then the culture is now going to reward you for mentally kind of reshaping that experience where if you just have a you know, mediocre sexual experience, then post hoc, you can say, actually, there was like something malicious that happened there rather than the culture just normally saying, yeah, it's very typical to have sex that maybe isn't the best or maybe you regret, or maybe someone's a little bit pushy with you and that's all okay. But then internally girls will make these horrific narratives for themselves. You can't necessarily blame the girls because the culture is incentivizing them to think that way. And it's really like encouraging, um, yeah like to be withdrawn from being willing to assert your own a- desire and agency in those situations
1: that's what i think pagla is absolutely necessary that's why we're having this yeah. conversation today because we need to go back to her and her defense of classical feminism i think the best news right now in the world is iran yes just like ukraine is saving liberal democracy lev you and i've had a discussion yes. about that in the past I think the same with Ukraine are actually not only saving liberal democracy. I use a liberal in the original sense, like liberal democracy. Ukraine is even willing to die for that idea. Maybe Americans and Europeans can learn a lot from that. Well, what's happening in Iran is not that radical feminism has taken root there at all. I mean, all my Iranian Kurdish friends, all my lady friends from there hate radical feminism as a practice in scandinavia this is classical feminism This is just women asserting themselves mm. walking the street saying what what the fuck am i wearing a fucking hijab for here's my fucking hair here's sexy me now take it right it's it's a perfect poglian move that's going on in iran at the moment whether it succeeds or not i think it's now undeniably so that we will see a return to classical feminism and I see in Jack also the hope. I'm bisexual myself, at least technically, so I can be LGBT. But at least I also see a resurgence of what I call LGBT classic.
0: I think what, is, queer, what is LGBT? I think queer
1: is out yeah. in the sense that queer doesn't really add. Queer was never something anybody was supposed to be anyway. And what is that? Was, what is queer? Queer was only added so that fact... Straight bitches could also walk in the pride parade.
0: Queer is straight people. I
2: mean, (laughs) straight people. LGBT, the LGBT acronym long ago uh, explicitly distanced itself from actual uh, gay people and went off into this abstract theory world of um, anyone can be anything at any time, you know, which, you know like it feels late even talking about this because pretty much everyone is exhausted with the non-binary nonsense and i think at some point just like the satanic panic it will just kind of disappear (laughs) without a word i think the non-binary stuff will kind of evaporate um and there will be a kind of reckoning um with uh, 2010's transgender mania but uh lgbt inc has been hostile to gay men ever since gay marriage was passed. That's why it needs to be
1: reconquered, Jack. And this is the point. You go to Uganda or you go to Iran and they execute gay guys for having gay sex. This is absolutely unacceptable and ultimate evil. It has to be fought. The LGBT classic struggle has to return. I know, for example, that the gay movement in Uganda have banned the Q letter. Uganda is the first country in the world where they say, we're not going to have the Q here. It's not us. (laughs) LGBT clearly has all the androgynous minorities that need to be protected and need to be allied with each other, which is proper transsexuals, proper transvestites, gay, lesbian, gay, and bisexual people. Okay, so there are sexual minorities in any culture probably need to be unified and fight against people who don't understand who they are. The way I do it in men's work is very simple. You have 200 guys at a men's camp. Say you've got four or five gay guys in the crowd as well. you take in the gay guys on a Friday night put them in front of all the others on the stage and they tell the straight guys, you bullied us when you were 11 cause you didn't know any better. Now we're going to tell you why you need us. We fix your fucking wives So they look gorgeous. You can fuck them one more time before you change them. Right. So, and that is so strong. That is so strong. When that happens, the straight guys go, wow, this is exactly what LGBT is going to get its power back. And it's pride back is by going back to classic eliminating queer, I wrote a piece in 1998 how this would go wrong 25 years later a lot of young gay men and a lot of lesbians are waking up to this message yeah what was wrong with lgbt nothing q was just added to add what they called the, the fat straight slots into into the moment who they never asked for in the first place right and i think the same thing is happening with classical feminism it's biggest defenders camille Paglia actually she's both like right? she's lgbt classic with her lesbianism and she's clearly a classical feminist. What was wrong with strong women in the first place? And I think we need to return to that, what we lost in the 1990s, and it's gone downhill for the last 25 years because we employed a lot of ugly, bitter bureaucrats, and the bureaucrats needed their jobs. So they invented problems that did not exist, and it led to the current mess we have. Exactly. Do, you also,
0: do you also see, uh, and this is for everybody, a similarity to what's going on in Twitter right now, where it appears as an outsider looking in that there were a lot of jobs within Twitter that now are not there anymore. He fired a lot of people, but Twitter's still going on. And the idea is how many of these useless jobs exist in all different sectors, just full of these uh, bureaucratic busybodies. Are we going to see some kind of reckoning here, not just in Twitter? but everywhere else when people are going to decide, like why do we need all these people doing all this useless stuff? But
1: this is the problem. You can't kill them, so they'll still be around. The woke people are now being fired from the tech companies because they discover now when it's tough times and the rates go up at the banks. They discover we can't have people around who who don't make money for us. A woke person has never made money for anybody ever. So they, they let go. But the problem is they're still around. They have no other education. So what they will do is they go more violent, they go more vocal, and they go into politics even more. So expect to find them in academia and politics more than ever because they can't have careers anywhere that is commercial any longer. Therefore, now you get papers coming out of Harvard where they're finally admitting that no company ever made more money because it employed woke people who had woke strategies. But it's still a good thing anyway, which is like the North Korean communist argument for having woke people around in companies, right? Harvard are publishing these papers these days because these people have invented that woke was supposed to add value to capitalism, which, of course, it never did. And now, when, you know, it gets more expensive to run a business and get a bank loan, of course, these people go out the door. But since they're not dead, expect them to return as zombies and, you know, <laughs> Pink movies, zombies. zombies. Like, they got to return and they are got to be more in politics and academia than ever before.
2: Jack, do you concur? Uh, absolutely. Um, in order to understand this stuff, you have to understand that The Democrat Party operates by creating new problems in order to create a bloated bureaucracy and employ its own members. So, you see how gay men were disposed of uh, immediately after gay marriage was passed. So, they do this thing where they say, There's so much work after they have a clear victory, they go, There's so much work left to do. So, this is when uh, transgenderism was deployed um, in a big way. Uh, so that there and also all the racial stuff, so that there was always more left to do um, for these people who sit around and um, just basically do nothing and absorb donations and massive paychecks. But right right now, um, gay men are hated and demonized on both the left and the right. The left uh, hates us because we are privileged, uh, cis white, uh figures um who have as it turns out an innate kind of male uh conservatism it's always trouble for liberals when men commune or are allowed to get together you have to get a liberal in there to break it up um and then on the right we have um uh, the kind of old school scapegoating of homosexual men uh, that is a tale as old as time where the entire decline of Western civilization and America and everything else is blamed on the uh, sensational, sensational and emotionally appealing and lurid uh, fact of gay sex between men. Um, when the fact is that so much of the, uh, gender ideology and all of this stuff that they're reacting against is being deployed by women. Uh, but it's easier for heterosexuals to blame gay men because, you know, it's just a simple little math equation. Um, so yeah, we're in a very unfavorable spot right now.
0: <laughs> well, to bring it to, back to, uh, Jane, would you guys then say that the main problem here is straight white women? No, no,
2: no, no, because straight white women are are uh, mad now, too, because they they got on the chopping block uh, when the term Karen was invented. Okay, Mm, that's true. That was like two years (laughs) ago. Uh, You know, everything was woman, woman, woman women are great during the Me Too uh, kind of era. And then uh, Karen was invented to uh, point out the supposed uh, privilege and entitlement of the. Uh, tone-deaf white woman. So uh, women are, you know, becoming very conservative now, too, especially when we see how all of the uh, Democrat nefarious operations
0: are affecting children and child-rearing and the family. So, Jane... If this is indeed something that's happening right now, are you noticing this in uh, your uh, league of uh, straight white women, let's say, uh, for lack of a better word? Like, what are the conversations well, that are going on right now regarding a lot the of this stuff? Thing is
3: is that most of my friends are pretty liberal and most of my female friends are like also bisexual. And so I was thinking as you guys were talking the fact that like, just, I'm not sure if it's a combination of like being put on the pill or something, but I do find that there's a massive trend towards like any girl who can identify as, you know, one fifth bi will because that way you can fall under the LGBT umbrella. And then those are probably the people that are going to be campaigning for a lot more social justice causes because... But, like, ultimately, at any other point in human history, those would just be straight women, but they are choosing to ostracize themselves from that group and then go on to be, I think, the biggest supporters of, like, kind of the woke agenda.
0: And is this also an example of the uh, Chthonian matrix that we were referring to before? Like, again, I don't want to... I don't want to think, like, a lot of the guys do, that, oh, like, there's, like, this hive mind going on of women that are just uh, forcing other women to agree with everybody. I don't want to think of men as somehow being, you know, more so, like, responsible and daring to say that the emperor is naked. But as somebody who is within female society, Jane, do you notice a bit of that happening or no? Like, that force women forcing other women to conform to whatever it is that's considered to be the correct thing
3: yeah i think women definitely experience like a lot more social pressure internally to kind of go along with whatever the norms that have been established are and you'll face a lot more social repercussion if you are naysaying Whereas if you're a guy and you just are thinking independently the other guys that you're friends with aren't gonna critique you for that and then i also think that probably female sexuality is a lot more fluid than male sexuality generally is but so and that you, kind of ties in as well.
0: So you then said that right now that your friends happen to adopt this uh, banner of being bisexual right now and if that is from this pressure that's going on, Alexander and uh, Jack, especially you were talking about how now because women were labeled with the uh, Karen label, now they're starting to get a little bit more conservative and also seeing that uh, you know they're on the chopping block as well. So that's why I'm a little bit confused here which way females, specifically straight females, I guess even more specifically straight white females are going. Like are they going to follow more of this uh, SJW route or are they starting to finally see something's wrong here or is it like 50-50? Oh, no, no,
1: no, I don't think that at all. I think if you go to Scandinavia, and we're just ahead of California, um, it, women are leftist and men are the right. Mm-hmm. We, now have, we now have a gender war. It is literally left and right. If left and right is no longer class, and it's no longer caste, even it's, I don't know what it is. It is definitely gender. And women are now leftist. We even have conservative, wealthy women who vote for the social democrats. They want a huge welfare state, they want high taxation, especially on men, of course. And, and they feel totally unsafe if they don't get that. They want more government involvement in everything that happens. And uh, on the opposite side, you got the right. And it's incredibly phallic. It's, it's becoming much more aware of itself, asserting itself. And it know, men, young men know now that women are not going to be with them politically. Uh, politics mm-hmm. has now become the under the, the war itself. And men are going to the right, extreme right. All over Europe, you see the same pattern. I don't see women going to the right at all. I see a few smart women thinking that maybe it's better to be Lanya Trump. Than to do any other career, you know. Maybe I should just (laughs) dress up like Russian women do, get a fucking oligarch, and I can go shopping the rest of my life. (laughs) And you know, I I know it's smart, twenty-two-year-old women who get forty-year-old husbands now, but they are a small minority among women. I say the vast majority of women over here, at least in Northern Europe, are going to the left, and the men are going to the right. So uh
0: so Jack this is kind of different from what you were saying just now regarding a uh, women being a labeled as karens and now rebelling against that. So would you say you disagree with Alexander's uh, viewpoint then about which way a lot of women are going? Would you say it's different in Sweden than it is in the United But the, but United the karens
1: States? are le- the karens are leftists. That's my point. Lef- mm-hmm. The left here over here. Karens are leftists.
0: The yeah, they are they are
2: leftists in truth, but the yeah. way that that term is used has these this kind of accusatory conservative vibe, like they use the meme of the hair, the care, the John John and Kate plus eight hair that no one has anymore. That's like kind of a dated thing. Um, it, it's it's a white, you know, it's it's a demonizing whiteness in this way. No, I I think that you're right. I think it is a, a gender war, um, and I think a lot of the problems. Uh, unfortunately come from the way that liberalism um, takes advantage of and distorts and preys on women's natural empathy. Uh, Because I think in general, men are pretty pragmatic and uh, want to uh, make government and, you know, every system of civilization function as well as possible um but the kind of distorted uh maternal empathy that women have which liberal women project onto uh, immigrants and minorities and homeless people and all of this stuff that's you know not my problem but is destroying the world um that is responsible for uh everything functioning really poorly right now so yeah, women women are really in power, and we're seeing uh,
0: <laughs> we're seeing the results of that. Um, so where so where does all of this go then? Because either it all goes to some kind of a Mad Max style dystopia, where at that point it's just like a whole different life, or it goes to something that I can't even predict. So I don't know. Uh, let's actually start with Neil. You haven't talked in a while. Given all these things that you've heard so far here. Where do you think, based on your historical knowledge, we are going as far as the sexes and what exactly is going to happen with uh, men, women, uh, their relationships, and the kind of politics that we're going to have because of those differences in relationships?
4: You know, to say what's going to happen, I I really can't tell you. I, I, I don't really know. I mean, it seems like... Like we were talking about earlier in this discussion, it seems like things are getting more repressed than they are open. That's what I. That's what it feels like to me. I could. Well, like, and I have a question for, for Alexander. Alec, um you 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 throw that term, this term around that I really think is interesting. This Cabellian mob. I think I think that relates to this too. What do you? Yeah. So and, but what's lacking in Puglia?
1: And it comes from Nietzsche. is an understanding: the D- D- Dionysian and Sibyllian are two different things. Dugin has pointed this out. Russians are very aware of it. So, the there is the Persians are aware of it too. So, the, there is the the Dionysian swarm and the Sibyllian mob are two very different things. Dionysian swarm is righteous. Dionysian swarm has every right in the world to exist. It is it is the good rebellion. It's like. The old elite have overstayed their power and, and need to be forced out, and, and therefore there has to be a revolution, right? There's a Dionysian swarm too. Nietzsche and Pagla celebrates that power. Right. It's creative, it, it's artistic, it is talented, it's 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 protopian as we call it. It's it's certainly sexual, you know, it, it's it's pathical, right? It's a pathical narrative thing. But the other one is the Sibyllian mob. What we're seeing today is, is the Sibyllian mob. And what happened was that the internet came along 30 years ago. It promised everything to everybody. Hardly anybody got anything. A few stars rose out of it. And it turned out the vast majority of people, as Nick Land has pointed out very clearly, he, said, he says that the vast majority of people turned out to be intensely mediocre. Right? And this idea that everybody's creative turned out to be totally untrue. The vast majority of people are just mimicking each other and no creative skills whatsoever. Right. So the problem was that there's this, there's this under-subconscious bitterness in culture today. And it's coming forward, of course, in, at Instagram and these social media. And it's coming. It, it, it has a very, it's a dark feminine, basically dark feminine voice. And that's what's called the sibyllian mob. So Sibele it, it, falls in love. With her assistant or her son. I don't remember exactly. Addis, Addis. Yeah, Addis. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and then, they have the, of course, the gods have to castrate Addis because you can't fuck with him. And, and therefore, Sibella runs around the world with an army of eunuchs following her all the time. Hey, transgenderism. All right, so this distorted bunch of people, the mob, are back. And we know, if you read, Girard, we know that we live in a time that's perfect for creating huge lynch mobs that find scapegoats that are totally innocent and go and kill them. And in the, in, in this is the thing. This is the dark feminine in the sense that war is the dark masculine. The lynch mob is the dark feminine. And the problem with the dark feminine lynch mob is that it's internal to the tribe itself. It, it's in the village square that the lynch mob takes place, meaning it is the beginning of civil war. So the war between people within the tribe, for example, the civil war in America, could very well be the result of woke. Because woke has now been accepted both by the right and by the left and they all have the grievances, and they all run these victimhood cults, large-scale victimhood cults, and, and you know, and re, repatriations, all this nonsense they are going on about, this is a really bad sign. And this is not the Dionysian swarm. This is the Sibelian mob. Hmm. And if it's a Sibelian mob, the dominates our cults today. We're in a really dangerous time, because that is actually a, a, apocalyptic, historically.
0: What do you also make of, let's say, uh, the uh, Marquis de Saad? When uh, Pagli was writing about uh, the Marquis de Sade, she was talking about these uh, transsexual experiments with uh, organ transplants. So she was describing here, quote, a sodomist rips the intestines from a young boy and a young girl, puts the boys into the girls, inserts the girls into the boys' body, stitches up the incision, ties them back to back with a pillar uh, to which support them, and watches them perish. So things like that, as well as uh, various other... Uh, making fun of and dismembering and doing horrible things to pregnant women especially, there seems to be in this side, this emphasis on being very anti-natal, anti-pregnant women, anti-life, if you will. Do you no, see it? it no? no,
1: it's just it's just crazy wisdom. It's there to disgust you and shock you. That's oh. what it is. Yeah. Right. that's what it is. Well, I guess, look, reading this... Okay, I'm a great defender of transsexuals, as you know. Yes. I've led several men into transition to women and the opposite. And it's a very easy. It's very easy to see who should do it. And, and, you know, here's the, here are the hormones, here's the surgery, do it. And, you know, all the good cases, they don't make a big fuss about it. They're never in the media. It's always the failures to come into the media and scream and shout and hate everything, whatever. The, the, success, the problem with transsexuality is that the many success stories we have with the ones that are never told. Right. I think Jack recognizes this too. It's like... All the good LGBT stories that are out there are not told any longer because LGBT people will be locked into a fucking victim trap they never asked for. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's really weird out there. I had a lecture the other week for 40 African and and Middle Eastern immigrant kids in Sweden who are like now great, you know, great students and they work hard and they're big fans of mine, my work and all that. And and they hate Black Lives Matter, of course, and they love me for taking a stance against Black Lives Matter because we're not victims, you know. Who came up with this idea? We're fucking heroic. We're strong. We're smart. We're going to conquer the world. We're going to go to Harvard and Stanford and start tech companies and take over the world. And these are Eritreans, Ethiopians, Afghan guys, you know, Moroccans. They're smart like hell. So these guys that I teach over here in Scandinavia, they don't want to be part of this. They see this as a white middle class phenomenon. This, This was the white middle classes of America and Europe that started hating the working class 30 years ago and therefore took over the left. And redesigned the left away from Karl Marx over to Rousseau. And along came Laclau and Mouffe and Butler and eventually Hart and Negri. It gets worse and worse with his woke ideology. But the woke ideology dismisses class analysis. It dismisses Karl Marx. It goes straight back to we just got to have different groups in a site that hate each other's guts. And they need to find a fucking scapegoat all the time. And it turned out the white heterosexual man was the most comfortable scapegoat they could find. Therefore, they also created the monster. They created a bunch of white heterosexual men who hate them back with the same vengeance who are
0: also now victims. Well, that it's is a billion on both
1: sides. That's the problem.
0: Well, it's interesting you mentioned Rousseau just now because uh, Paglia was also talking about him as seeing nature as being this all-giving mommy GF and him being like this little boy that was cuddled by her. And Desaad seems to be the opposite there where he completely... Uh, uh, looks at nature as being like this evil and trapping thing, but uh, but Who do you
1: think abandoned his own children and shitted on them and didn't want anything to do with them and consumed everybody else's money and had bills to pay everywhere (laughs) the day he died? Rousseau! Rousseau was the classic asshole. You must read Rousseau as a classic asshole who just pompously with this narcissism talks about like everything is just given to him. Like, yeah, you know, he's just a tit seeking, tit seeking, sucking 11 year old. Right. He's just seeking, su- sucking the memo. He's not even ready to fuck a woman. He's just horrible. Right? It's just tragic. But the problem is Rousseau is today the ideal.
0: Yeah. So that's why we have a lot of these assholes who are very much attracted to that same Rousseauian idea and wanting to enforce that kind of equality on everybody else. and, kind of reminds me of the uh, Extinction Rebellion people who were going around England and stopping traffic for the uh, working people there who were trying to get them off the trains. And even today I saw this video that Sticks reposted of this big guy who was just like picking up and dragging away the uh, climate protesters that were blocking the road for everybody and well it, it, it yeah. didn't
1: work we all hate them now everybody hates the climate protesters why would they Gre- think it Gre- would Greta work Thunberg- Greta Thunberg is from our town I know the girl right she <laughs> yeah. had her last future for Fridays here two weeks ago three kids showed up she's already over Damn. She's dated. She's no. last year's thing. She's done. But why would they Thank think God. it
0: would work, though? This is what I don't get. Whether it's that or whether it's destroying the paintings, even though they're behind glass, but still, like, these desecrations. <laughs> don't yeah. don't
1: try to understand the mind of an idiot, because they're idiots. <laughs> idiot. Don't even try.
0: All right, and uh, Jane, even though Bart said not to try to understand it, what do you think is going on there? Can there be some dissection of uh, why exactly people are acting this way? And again, is it is it changing in any way at all? Like are some of your friends who decided to be an NB for a couple of months, are they like now trying to get around to, Oh, maybe uh, this phase is passed and I'm moving on to something else.
3: I mean, in terms of the climate protesters, clearly it's idiotic, but at least they're getting coverage, which I think is the only goal. Um, and then in terms of my friend groups, um, not so far. I see things. People keep, doubling down in my circles at least um something we were talking about earlier is kind of like is this trend going to continue and get even worse or is it going to kind of start falling apart and one of the things I was thinking is that given that women are kind of like the sexual selectors that as they become more political they are going to start encouraging whatever male partners that want to be with them to adopt those same views and so that's definitely something I've seen a lot is like guys are kind of Stepping down from their more controversial views because they're oh, trying to get I, I've laid. Seen, I've
1: seen the opposite happening here. So it's oh, okay. Burning. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was a great, fantastic column two weeks ago in Etc., which is a leading leftist publication in Sweden, which is kind of flashy and arty. It's kind of it's kind of a sexy but leftist, right? And this woman wrote this piece called "Do I Really Have to Go Over to the Right to Get Fucked These Days?" And she started talking about all the rightist guys she was fucking. So apparently, people are discovering that it's easy, a lot more fun to fuck the other side. Which I think is great. <laughs> you know, right and left should really fuck each other. Otherwise, why why do we have heterosexuality in the first place, right? So it's already it's already turning over here at least. To tell
3: girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. My last relationship was with a leftist, and the sex was really good.
0: Very interesting. And uh, what Jack, when it comes to uh, speaking uh, with um, the uh, White Lotus creator uh, Mike uh, White, I have not listened to this uh, podcast, and I don't want any spoilers partly because I really want to uh, listen to it in its full glory, but also part of me really wants to know, for somebody like that who is deep within uh, the entertainment world, is he seeing any pushback to the current paradigm or no? Um,
2: I think that uh, Mike White has succeeded just because he... Uh, does what everyone should do, which is simply be honest instead of creating like this safe uh split personality uh where you're privately conservative uh, and you know publicly more agreeable and liberal in order to avoid any consequences and I don't know like white lotus was has been such a success because people can sense that this is, Uh, pure vision that uh, is not social engineering is not propaganda. Like, there, the last like five years of uh, woke diversity, um, experimentation in Hollywood has not been profitable. Like, people really don't like it, no one likes it, but they feel obligated to do it. And really, HBO, um, I don't know who's like managing it right now but hbo is really uh leading the charge in subtly fighting back against uh, that kind of censorship because things like euphoria also are talked about and resonate and are also really controversial but not in this corny conservative way of like this is my art which is against woke ideology like that's stupid but like that's... the ben
0: shapiro uh production yeah. company facts stuff. and
2: logic yeah um no but if you uh like if you write characters that are simply honest, it resonates with audiences because liberalism is all about the subversion of truth and the subversion of every single stereotype and creating these artificial characters for social engineering. So every woman character in a liberal production has to not have any conventional, Um, traits associated with women. They have to only be into science and engineering. They have to hate romance. They have to hate men. They have to hate femininity. Um, It just doesn't resonate with people because it's not true. Um, But yeah, I I think that um, Mike White and other people who are changing the culture for the better, uh, like Red Scare, um, they simply say what they think uh, without making a big production of it. And I think the right has crippled itself for so long with this ridiculous idea of anonymity propagated largely by straight men. Um, this is my most hated take, by the way, <laughs> since that I've, that all of these... All well, these none, people... of, none of us are anonymous, so you're yeah, not going to get any hate great, here. But for years, I've gotten um, so much uh, grief for uh saying that this kind of idea that if you're if you have any views that deviate from the liberal orthodoxy then you must you know retreat into an anonymous persona for your own safety no one respects that they respect people who put their face to their views and will tell the truth
0: alexander you're in agreement there too
1: oh absolutely tell on musk's idea with twitter as well as to get all the anonymous accounts out of that we're not interested in them any longer if you don't have skin of the game, keep your fucking mouth shut until you have a skin of the game and dare to speak. And uh, when it comes to my entire career, it's just built on the fact that I grew up with a South African father who told me when I was six years old that, you know, laws are for weak people. You can do what the fuck you want in your life. I was six years old when I heard that. And once you've learned that, you just realize that your capital is in the future. So if you speak your mind now, it might cost you something now. Of course it should, that's okay. But your capital 20 years later is enormous because you spoke the truth 20 years ago. So if you repeatedly do that, like the piece I wrote in 1998 about the LGBT movement when I said I'm leaving now because you added the Q letter. The Q letter is nothing to fight for. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's not political. I'm out. And you have 25 years of disaster ahead of you, which is exactly what happened. Well, of course, now they come back 25 years later. It's young gay guys, often with Afghan backgrounds or Palestinian backgrounds who happened to arrive in Sweden are gay, and they called me, and they said, what is it that we're going to do? And I said, why don't you try to do LGBT classic? Just do what they did before 98 and do it, and then export it to the rest of the world where it's needed. And they do it, and it's wonderful.
0: Do you think so that... Think
1: that's, mm-hmm. that's, remember that your social capital, put your social capital in the future, and it makes perfect sense to have skin in the game and speak your mind with your name on it. And I agree completely with Jack. Why should we are sitting as the queer guys or whatever we are? Why should we tell straight guys to stop being fucking anonymous? Get your fucking act together. Speak your mind. You will get laid if you do. We promise
0: mm-hmm. you. I also noticed that, uh, for example, that libs of TikTok account, that is a, a Jewish woman that uh, had set up. I mean, I think that account is still semi-anonymous, she was doxed, but still the fact that, uh, you know, like a Jewish woman, despite all the anti-Semitic stuff on the internet, that she would go out there and do something like that, I think that uh, speaks speaks pretty well to, uh, I wouldn't say like every single Jewish woman out there, but I think like there is this sense of bravery that at least the Jewish women that I know in my life have put out so far, much more than many other uh, people that I've noticed.
1: I just made $100,000 on TikTok from army of lovers with a Jewish guy who's gay, Sean Pierre Parda, doing a really queer gay thing, being proud, being Jewish with the Star of David on his chest. You know, it's, it's exactly what you should do these days. The shocking thing that it's so easy to be punk in 2022. That's shocking. We were supposed to be tired of shock value by now. It's the exact opposite. Even Sam Smith and Kim Peters can do like a quite traditional Madonna-esque video called Unholy, just insinuating that maybe the straight couple, the guy straight couple, has an affair with other gay guys. And sadly is number one of the charts. Congratulations to Sam and Kim. Well done. That's what queer culture should be today. I'm sure Pog agrees with me. But it's kind of pathetic that it's just 1985 all over again and nothing has really happened. Because we've gone into a sexually repressed state for the last 25 years, mediocrity has dominated. The the first 20-25 years of social media have been disastrously poor and bad because, you know, the masses weren't that interesting. I'm looking forward to see a new elite establish itself, definitely artistically. I think this elite will definitely be dominated by LGBT and shamanoid personalities. I think it will definitely come out of burner culture and participatory culture, because that's exploding everywhere. People take to it. it's wonderful. And I think a lot of great shit's going to happen artistically in the next 10 years, but politically, it will be absolute chaos the next 10 years.
0: Absolute chaos. Uh, I definitely bet it will be. Uh, when it comes to some other movies that I see, there's Tar with Kate Blanchett, where she plays like this anti woke uh, music instructor, but I think she's being portrayed as the bad guy. So I'm not sure. When it comes to a lot of the major, Jack, you're shaking your head. You may know uh, a lot that, more that, than I do. I mean,
2: Tar is an incredible movie, but that she's not the villain. She's the protagonist. That entire mm. movie is explicitly anti cancel culture anti me too it's basically a a woody allen style movie about sophisticated uh, upper class white people um and you know it is the most direct that any um hollywood production has ever been in uh condemning liberal ideology in that way and sex panics and stuff and it gets you know, it softens the message a bit by making the characters lesbians uh, in a kind of artificial way, because clearly these are problems that affect men. (laughs) You know, they make the message more palatable by abstracting it through uh, Kate Blanchett, uh, you know, as a lesbian in this Fassbender, Bitter Tears of Petra Von Contway. But, I mean, if you... If you think that she's the villain in that movie, then you've missed the message. Oh
0: no no, I I don't think she's the villain. I haven't seen that movie oh, when it's, I go it's wonderful. When, I I would love to see it. When I go on Twitter though, I notice that a lot of the comments say, "Oh, well, they're not really showing this correctly That's because, because their conservatives show is the are
2: retarded and can't read media." <laughs> like they, the conservatives have done themselves such an incredible disservice, and you hear that kind of point from the sort of YouTube talking head conservatives, facts and logic, which yes. uh, digests the day's Twitter talking it's points so and it's so boring. To give you a, a bulleted list yeah. of like you know, it, like that. That's lame. Um, it's like Washington D.C. brain. Um, like, but conservatives have done such a disservice to themselves by depicting all art and uh, culture. Um, as the domain of the left. That was never true. It's not true. Just because Holly Weird, uh, you know, is, is is full of liberals uh, does not mean that. But yeah, conservatives can't read a movie. They think that if they see an interview with an actor in the movie where they say they're a Democrat, that means the movie is Democrat. No, you read the text. You read the... the read between product. the lines.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is... Personally, that is a big problem that I've had with somebody like uh, Trump, let's say, where you have somebody that's willing to say everything that's on their mind and not be able to be a bit more Machiavellian about how you approach things. Like if there were more people out there that would be smart and smart people would recognize that they're being smart in order to not have certain things that are going to uh, you know, come their way from the press. I wish people would operate at that higher level. But like, like they Alex, can't. They can't yeah.
1: because they're tired of cynical nihilism. It, Hillary Clinton is over, right? It, it, they, they recognize, they, they, they rather vote for Cartman from South Park, which is exactly what Donald Trump is from an, for an outsider. Like, they rather vote for Cartman because Cartman cannot keep his mouth shut and therefore is totally honest at all times and his narcissism is absolutely obvious. And by the way, since politics has become ironic anyway, why not do it as a TV show? That's exactly why people voted for Trump. I don't think Trump's going to win the next election, simply because I think Trump is being too Trump now. He's just overdoing it this time around. Uh, so in that sense, maybe he should have been smarter. I don't know. But, you know, he, he can't even create alliances with anybody. He can just He's just, just like Putin. He's a bully. The problem with bullies is that they don't last, right? They don't create lasting alliances because they, they finally turn against their own friends, even when they shouldn't. And I think that's Trump's problem. So it's a, a strategic plo- problem there's, there's involved in it. But the reason why people voted for it was precisely because it wasn't a Machiavellian. You, anybody who started political science and then became into politics probably first became a lawyer and then become a politician. And we had Obama, we had the Clintons, and people got sick of it. And that's why they would never ever vote for a cynical nihilist again. You cannot go cynical any longer because it's too obvious now. That game's been played. You must be
0: transparent. I guess it would be too much to ask for somebody who would have i guess i should say the the right ideas as far as implementing policy that would actually help americans out while at the same time pretending not to at least for the press just so they can get elected or doing something so that they wouldn't get as much fire from the press i don't know again that may be too high of a hope that i have that somebody's gonna come around i think DeSantis may be the closest we can get to somebody are you
1: a socialist love do you think politics actually changes much I don't think it I changes much. Th- I think much. the Federal Reserve is way more important than any politician is these days. And actually market forces take care of most things, at least in a society.
0: I look at politics more as trying to do the least harm possible. That's th- what, you know I what I You know what happens yeah. these
1: days? When you have a political crisis in a country, its stock exchange will go up. Because it keeps politicians away from doing bad policy. That's how politics operates in the 21st century. We're waiting for a button we can vote for the AI to do, do the job so we don't need politicians at all.
0: I hope so. But uh, before we move on, uh, Jack, what do you think of Bard's point about uh, Trump and that uh, lack of uh, not wanting nihilism anymore? Oh,
2: I love Trump. I think he's the greatest countercultural figure of my lifetime and uh, one of the the greatest president, too. Um, And I think that his major achievement uh, was making people aware of how the news media operates and how the media operates um and he came at just the right time um for me as uh you know i i started supporting him in like may 2015 when everyone thought it was just a joke but he swept in like this you know final fantasy like guardian force just as uh wokeness was getting so bad uh like in the culture at large and in you know, my, my personal life and everything. And he was just so funny. He resonated with me because, you know, I'm obsessed with the soap soap operas in the 1980s. And he was this J.R. Ewing uh, soap opera character uh, coming in and just offending all the right people. Um, And, uh you know right-wingers immediately began complaining about him um and because he you know was a pretty effective kind of centrist liberal leader um and look at how bad things are now under democrat rule everything is expensive dysfunctional that's what democrats do um they sow chaos but i do think that the the right is it likes losing uh because losing is safer Um, And so it's going to cripple itself by doubling down on this uh, Tucker Carlson um, style uh, stuff about grooming and uh, abortion and gays, which alienates normal people. Um, I think uh, Republicans lost the recent election because of all the theatrics around abortion. Um, and uh, all the right wingers I saw were celebrating that. And I, th- I thought it was really idiotic. So um, they like losing. They like losing.
0: Mm. Alexander, any response? Yeah, Jane, Jane, I
1: want to hear your view on abortion. Yeah, Jane, the A word, it's yours.
3: On abortion? yeah oh you know do it earlier or then once it's been a while stop that like there's no room for just a nuanced middle ground i find when people are having like it has to be so all or nothing which just seems so illogical when you're presented with the reality of what's happening it's like hmm. in your first trimester go for it after that stop like it shouldn't be such a polarizing issue in my mind do you know
1: why do you know why abortion is not a big th- big theme in the muslim world no. Because, because they were smart enough to agree from the very beginning that it's you know, the embryo is only interesting after three months.
3: Yeah. So they had
1: the deadline already from the very beginning, which is what you should have had. So religion mm-hmm. and secular society doesn't fight each other. That's why it's non-issue in the Muslim world. Sometimes you can learn from this from the Muslim world, really. They were they were smart on this one. America's stuck in because America can't decide because America's too extremes here. Either yeah, it's I sperm think- inside egg and somehow that's life, or it's just I don't know where, where the other end goes. And
3: I feel like there's also a a difficulty too, because like the two opposing views will never be able to see eye to eye because one's taking a much more romantic point of view when you're like looking at this dormant potential of this thing versus the others looking at just the hard scientific realities. And so when you're operating on two different levels of analysis, there's no way of kind of talking to one another because one's adopting this really romanticized like long-term view and the other one's just like, well, a clump of cells is gonna, you can have miscarriages all the time and it's not a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, that may be one thing that we could possibly meet in the middle on here when it comes to people who are far more uh, against uh, abortion. It's not abortion itself. It would be more of this idea of what are people living for? Like, if people don't have some goal of like, I'm going to have a child, I'm going to have this family, the impression that more conservative people have is that, well, these people are just going to be dilly-dallying around, not really doing anything in their lives that gives, the, gives them meaning. And we're just all going to descend as a society. At least that's, that's kind of what I see beyond any of the questions of like, what is life? When is, when is life actually sacred? That is something that possibly there could be some liberal minded people that could kind of see the point there. Like, yeah, what, what are we living for? What, what are I think we it also kind do? of
3: ties in with the, like the kind of, modern fear of like rape as well is that like the idea of becoming pregnant when you don't necessarily want to have a child is like this the worst possible thing that could happen to you rather than something that's a very just natural consequence of having sex and women my age aren't really taught to think like that like this doesn't have to be some horrific trauma and actually probably most of women who get pregnant unintentionally end up having the child Find that they derive a lot of meaning from that and they aren't horrifically traumatized from this experience but the culture now has a narrative where this is like the worst possible thing that could happen to you is being forced to carry a child to term that maybe you weren't deciding to have but um there isn't thing. because enough it will make it conservative yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but let's take let's take
1: a Poglian perspective i've discussed it of course with the Poglians, like yes. fanny norlean and raven Connolly, and they like the idea is that we haven't really pulled classical feminism all the way through because if we did we would propose and that half of society, the feminine half of society, will be completely adjusted to the feminine biology. In that case, the normal thing for women would be to have children between 18 and 28 years of age, and that should be encouraged. Mm -hmm. And then at 28 years of age, a woman can decide what higher education she wants to go through. When she goes to Harvard, she's 32, 33. 35, she flies off and has a career, and she will have a career until she's 85 years old. She can have a 50-year professional career with teenagers by her side when she starts. And when these girls think like that, when they start thinking "pogly and feminism, where feminism should be today, if it stayed with classical feminism, developed the last 30 years, it would probably today be totally pri-biology feminism. Why should we fight the power of the female body? Why shouldn't the female body dictate how women should be supposed to live their lives in our society? And why don't we allow women to live that life? Because at the end of the day, all men know this one thing. A society is never more civilized than its women's willingness to have children. Okay, it's not more civilized than that. Even gays, lesbians are all part of that system that at the end of the day, women must be willing to have children in society. Otherwise, the society is doomed itself to death. Right. So if that's the case, then why don't we take classical feminism all the way through to classical feminism? Plus, which is to say that women should just follow their own bodies and do what their bodies tell them to do and then have freedom within that. Rather than as things are still today, women have to adjust themselves according to a male standard, meaning they go to fucking clinics when they're 35 and try to have a baby, and doctors tell them it's actually too late. That's a tragedy.
2: Millennials not having either not having children or not having them until they turn 40 uh, has been disastrous in so many ways. and one i think is that that contributes to the uh, millennial witch hunt hysteria around any subject involving children i think that like people used to just have kids as a you know a rote thing and not think much about it but it's become such a sacrament for millennials because they have to go through you know 40 years of you know, ideological <laughs> changes in order to realize oh uh, you know, maybe just ordering Uber Eats is not the most fulfilling thing for the rest of my life. Um, so then the when they're 40 and they have their one, uh, you know, like expensive, like test tube assisted child, uh, then they just worship, you know, the, the children in this way. <laughs> That's totally like maniacal. And they coddle them and, uh, you know, think they can't be exposed to anything and just don't let them live life. They're scared of everything. So. It's just another thing I'm thinking about. Oh, it's like,
1: Jack, it's like uh, a narcissist having a baby forces the baby to become another narcissist, right? That's a bit like it is today in China. Go to China and see they're not having two children. They're staying with the one child policy because they can't imagine having two because they're so overdoing it with one child they have. So having two children (laughs) would just be too exhausting. I think America and Europe are becoming very similar.
0: Now, I know before we talked about the, uh, the drag uh, queen story hour and all that, uh, where, uh, Jack, you're saying that people are making way too big of a deal of, about a lot of these things. Just to push back a little bit on that, though, when it comes to some of the parents that would encourage their kids to start you know, wearing dresses and adopt all these things, not because the kids themselves may be interested in all, any of that stuff, but because that happens to be the thing that's in vogue right now, uh, would you say that that is a problem?
2: Yeah, that's a huge problem because a well-meaning thirty-year-old uh, uh, woman counselor would have told me that I was transgender as a kid because I liked girl toys and hung out with girls. There's this um, bizarre, like, gender essentialist conservatism in the transgender mania of today, where uh, you know these they they are rushing to. Um, they rush you to these radical, like, surgical and uh, ideological interventions if you deviate from the perceived gender norms whatsoever. And um, nobody ever gave me trouble in my entire life for, like, you know, liking girlier things and all of this. Uh, They didn't even, in the 90s, they they didn't even, you know, it's not like Hollywood movies depict it. Nobody even, like, really thought of it as gay. They were just like, yeah, he's a kid. He's
0: just... Does his own thing. He's an individual. Um so when you were in school, it's not like the jocks were picking on you know, I, saying sissy and, and you No, know, everybody you know. I
2: didn't receive any social backlash until i became a conservative every <laughs> and then, like n- none for being gay whatsoever and this was the, and
1: now era. and now you are the thinking
2: man's milo <laughs> well, please <laughs> um <laughs> i said thinking man's. oh no um i mean i don't want to be the current one but he he, he was good in 2015 but he was know, a good trickster he opened up no he he, he he was, was good great. in 2015 but that's yes. he's mm. Run that into the ground in his current just Jordan Peterson to be open up, a, Jordan Peterson a Catholic ex-gay. I, I can't today. think of anything more repellent than a Catholic ex-gay
4: right now. Um,
2: <laughs> uh, the, he, was on,
4: a, he was on Church Militant, and they um, when they showed his name on the screen, it said um, ex-sodomite. <laughs> like, holy, no, no, so no, no, no. This is the thing.
1: He desperately wants to fuck the boys and be fucked by the boys, but well, now as a sin. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm
2: a pick me too.
1: He's it's a just... classic Catholic, in other ways. He's, like, <laughs> he's hes just what Catholics always were, you know. He's
2: just like. Well, guys. if you're gay, <laughs> then you That's receive crap. the reward of straight male attention when you like say kind of like conservative talking points that they themselves are not allowed to say, yeah. you know. Which is, I've been through that whole rigmarole and <laughs> I've come out the other side. Um, but yeah, he's a pick me. It's just like the this this ex-gay. Whether it's a joke or not, I mean, it's absurd like the idea of like conversion or celibacy or the, uh, or the Richard like-
0: Spencer haircut that he had in that uh, Kanye video.
2: I mean, if 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 you're gay, you can't change it. Sorry. You can't change it. You exist. You've always existed. You can't change it and you're going You got rogue. those
1: switches from Raven Common and Alexander Bard. You can't change those no. switches. They're there you have yeah. to
0: live with them. But yeah. Alexander, would you say though that uh, back to Trump for a second, that Trump was also serving that role as the uh, trickster at least back in 2016? Maybe,
1: maybe there's something there with Jordan Peterson, Milo and Donald Trump that they we needed them 2015 and, and woke would have been even worse today if they hadn't been around. But they were all tricksters and crazy wisdom. Uh, I, it's not It's not a shock and it certainly would work if Trump got a second you know, period from 2024 forward. It's not a disaster at all. I'm with Jack on that one. I just think that it's, if America needs somebody with the same credentials, but more of a unifier, I think that would actually help because I think the civil war that America's moving towards is not gonna do it any good. Yeah. And I take this from a European perspective. Okay, here's the weak point with Trumpism for me. We have a problem in Europe called Putin we need to get rid of Putin without Russia going into bloody civil war and being a mess over the next 50 years, right? That's a very concrete threat. Even Sweden has joined NATO. You know, we know that it's a problem over here, right? A messy Russia full of nuclear weapons and desperate people and, and, and tons of migrants is not what Europe wants at the moment. So we want Putin safely to go. Maybe a Navalny or someone like that will get a chance to keep Russia decently together after that. We don't know that yet. But the problem is that it could be really, really messy. And right now, a guy like Trump in the White House is not gonna help us sort this out. Not a Biden either, but a firm guy with a firm policy in hand who knows how to handle Russia and therefore also knows how to handle Iran and therefore also know how to handle China because we're gonna have messes in all these three places. Kanye West. Ideas.
0: Kanye West.
1: No. Mm. no, seriously, I mean seriously. <laughs> so, so the problem with Trump is that we need somebody who's actually smarter than he is at the time, not just media smart. Yeah, he's insane. because because we needed Trump as a negation of the previous. He was not cynical. He was naive, if anything. And that helped. But we need something better than that next time around in the White House.
4: Mm. Yeah, it also doesn't help that he still thinks he's still talking about the election in 2016. Or I mean, 2020. Well, yeah, he, Neil, be careful, that, though, because we're on
0: YouTube. We're on YouTube. That, we got to lose, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does suck that we have to talk about it in this way with the tech censorship and all that. Like, I always have to uh, keep an eye in the back, you know, for any kind of discussion of that nature. And hopefully with uh, what Elon Musk is doing on Twitter, maybe that's going to have some kind of a uh, response to uh, YouTube. But anyway, I do want to get back to uh, final thoughts when it comes to uh, Camille Paglia and what is going to happen in the future. And I want to start with uh, Neil. I know I asked you about the future, and you didn't really answer because who knows the future. But in the...
4: Yes. Well, I was going to say, I like what uh, Alexander said about the difference between this Dionysian movement and the, I, I use the Greek pronoun- pronunciation, Kybali. Yeah. S- S- yeah, yeah. so, so, yeah, so we say
1: Cybalian because it's East. So,
4: yes, we got to know that difference and move towards the Dionysian and away from the Kybalian. I love that approach. I love how you uh, term those out. I think that's a good, useful way to do it.
0: Absolutely. And uh, Jane, uh, what are your thoughts regarding the uh, Dionysian, Cabellion? And are you going to keep reading, by the way, like from what you read already? Would you say you're hooked? Would you say you're interested in reading more?
3: Oh, yeah, I'll definitely keep reading. I mean, her prose is kind of insane. Like it's like having little sentences of candy to enjoy while you're going through. Um, and then you're asking about like the future. What's in store?
0: Yeah. Or what's more. in store for you?
3: oh, man, um, I'm going to keep on reading and being nerdy and trying to figure out better ways to structure political societies, um, which hopefully gets us somewhere a little bit better. And then in terms of Paglia, I think that she is, like, I think, hopefully going to maintain a a position in the public eye. I think i kind of going back to what I said at the beginning, like, um, at least around people my age, there seems to be such a high abstraction away from planting gendered norms in society and any um, biological basis. And I think she just provides a really good structure to kind of understand how we got here.
1: And you yeah. must write a book called Sleeping with Lefties. <laughs>
3: uh, okay, that's so that you. But that means I have to sleep with more of them, and I don't know if I'm up for that. <laughs> You can interview
1: other women who sleep with lefties too. We can have hundreds of lefties you slept with. Okay, okay. That will make
0: a great substack as well. And uh, Jack, what say you? And also, I don't know, are you a, a big admirer of uh, Fassbender?
2: Uh, yeah, I love Fassbender. I did like a million
0: <laughs> episodes on
2: Fassbender really early, <laughs> early at the beginning of the podcast, like a few years ago. Um. Yeah, uh, I mean, what what brought Fassbender up?
0: Well, I was just thinking about Fassbender right now, because he did a movie called Fox and His Friends, and I thought of that Fox mm. News series, Fox and Friends. I and always, I think, when I
2: see it on the TV listings, yes. I think that it's the Fassbender movie, and so for years I've thought that, but yeah, that's one of the, the greatest gay movies and most brutal gay movies ever made. Definitely. Um, if you... I don't know if you watch American Horror Story, the recent New York City season. I'm a huge fan of the show and of of Ryan Murphy, but the recent New York City season just ended with uh, a Berlin (laughs) Alexanderplatz-inspired finale where they even use, like, craft work. Um, It's it's worth checking out. But um, I think that everyone should read the entirety of Polly before they go to college. They should be exposed early. I was, and, you know, it equips you to... Uh, Take the best from the academic experience and not take the worst uh, gives you a healthy skepticism. And also the main revelation when people come to Polya, like after they've been through uh, the academic ringer later in life, they're kind of confused because this is the first time that they've seen someone speak about uh lofty intellectual and artistic and cultural matters in this accessible funny casual voice and that's i think her main value is that voice speaking to a general audience anyone can understand anything that she says that also alienates academic liberals who want to kind of stay confined in their um like ivory tower and only be accessible to a certain set of people um i think that everyone should look to the example of Paulia and learn from her uh spirit of genuine intellectual curiosity and free speech and uh anti-censorship um because the direction that the right is going is away from her um and it doesn't bode well um it's basically just replicating uh yes liberalism in its thirst for censorship and scapegoats.
0: Well, the reason why I specifically mentioned Uh Fosbinder and Fox and Friends and uh, Fox and his friends is because I also want there to be a move away from this very clean, sterile, uh, facts and logic type of uh, scene that's going on right now because it feels like the people who would have it be their home to be in the kind of culture where there's going to be more Kurosawa, more Fassbender, you know, more, more of the Criterion collection, basically, yeah. you know, like more of those more co- art. Yeah. More, more art. art. Exactly. Yeah, more exactly. Art. I feel like, I feel like they're trying to find themselves on the right because they cannot stand the SJW left, but I don't really think that they're getting that much from that experience because there's not that same kind of, um, art, And so I I hope that they will They suffer from
1: Asperger's syndrome, every one of them. I mean, why are they even public figures in that case? So art is the answer. By the way, here's my claim to fame, if I've got my final note here. Yes. I co-edited in 1982 when I was a young guy working in Amsterdam, I co-edited a film called Carell.
2: No way! And it was a
1: re- yeah, the, the, not, no, no, Jack. It's a gun wow. to me, right? Wow. So, yeah, I, I could be your, I could be probably your daddy in a leather bar or something. Like that. But, <laughs> so, I, I, I that It was very difficult because it was actually recorded in three different languages from day one. Everyone spoke three different languages when they recorded and made The movie, so they Incredible. didn't have to do it. So they didn't have to do any subtitles. So it's, it was recorded in German and French and English, and of course, Fast died in the middle of it. Probably from a cocaine overdose, sucking Arab oh. dick or something like that, and and then after that, the film yeah. had to be finished because it was his, his final film. I think it's beautiful,
0: by the way. I love it. He he dedicated. Yeah. Is it uh, the case he dedicated it to his uh, lover who died, uh, who was from the Atlas Mountains, uh, Salem or Salem? I don't know how to pronounce his name. Yeah, he's but, his big love at yeah. the time.
1: You know gay guys have big loves for three weeks, right? Yeah. So his big then, after time, no, he's big love at the time.
0: Yeah. No, this guy was pretty close to him, and he even brought over his son from the Atlas Mountains to join the, them. But in the interesting
1: yeah. thing with the movie is that it's so damn radical. It's not the guy who gets the dick up his ass is gay. It's the guy who fucks the ass is gay. Now, if you, if you showed Carell seriously in the Middle East all muslim men would be very confused
2: because <laughs> we have that, this that's idea. always been I mean, my theory too i mean i've yeah, always said topping that, like, the is gayer the ruby, than that bottoming that because, is, because you have is, to get hard that for a sean man's Cheney's ass Is
1: fantastic sean Cheney was a fucking genius right and sean Cheney's point was this with the story <laughs> in the last minute really made this sort of over-the-top operatic kitchen movie just to make that even more explicit
0: Mm-hmm. All right, now I'm going to go to Super Chats. So if anybody has any final Super Chats that they want to send out, just need those Super Chats right now. So Super Chat number one from Dunkachino199, Alexander, would you rather Carl Philip B. King? Oh, God i just
1: said that i'm waiting for the ai button i can push so that politics is dead and over okay we have a monarchy in sweden our monarchs cannot even spell their own names (laughs) that's where it all ends up we're like this is versailles 1789 and versailles Survived and it's called Sweden. But it's great to have a monarch who has less power even than regular citizens. Hopefully the same thing will happen to politicians. They'll be so out the door, they will only have TV shows in the future, pretending they're still important, although the rest of us will laugh at them. Politics here, here. is dead, academia is dead, mass media is dead, commercial industry is dead, digital has just arrived.
0: Here, here. So before I move on to this uh, last super chat from Alex S, who donated $5, one other thing I'm remembering from Fox and his friends, a scene I liked when Fox and his friend with the mustache were in Turkey, they were dressing up like the Mario Brothers. just a uh, visual. I don't know, Jack, if you remember that scene, but uh, mm. yeah, that, that was pretty nice. Anyway, Alex S for $5, in an age which everyone has near instantaneous connection to everyone else could you all speak upon the importance of privacy and membranics? Okay, membranics, yeah. Okay,
1: so we, we touched on it before, but I think what's going to return in a big way is private and sacred, meaning you have really, really membrane uh, towards the outside world and what's said in the sacred room cannot get out. Uh, I think that returned to what we call an added tonology, that there's a specific space, a sacred space, where regular laws and rules don't apply, is going to be absolutely huge. It's called Tantra in Eastern culture versus Sutra. And we need that in Western culture because in Christianity, it was called sin. In Islam, it was called sin. And the reason why we secularize now and we're killing Christianity and Islam is because we need to return to a world of worlds or different worlds. And I think this, this idea of the private and the sacred is going to come back big time. I mean, every gated community built today like in the Greek, world. The Greek like
4: mystery cult world, basically. Has to come yes. yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. You and I have touched a lot about that deal in our mm. conversations, too. Oh, the private I'll, and sacred is coming back big big time. Yeah. And I want to give you yeah, uh, yes. if if take If you take this community, like the LDBT community. Even they will then explore that. Why did we tell the world about our life? Why did we let anybody in? Why don't we just close the door, live our lives as we wish, and don't tell the neighbors? And we're better off if we do. You know, I think that's part of LGBT classic is discovering that why don't we make make this into a tundric exercise, meaning we don't tell anybody what we're up to and why the hell would they know anyway? It didn't benefit us, did it? Sure. Yeah,
0: the uh, that outwardness that was the uh, new Coke, and now it's going to be Coca Cola Classic. So uh, I do want to go to Jane Gatsby for final thoughts, just because your article "Beyond Democracy: The Network City" I think is very much related to what Alexander was just talking about. So, is there anything you would want to say about that, as well as plugging everything else that you would want to plug, and then plug for everybody else too?
3: Um. So, sorry, what you think my article is connected to? What? What, what about Alexander was saying?
0: to have these more private communities that are going to start and not attempt to change everything that's going on with the uh, normies, so to speak.
3: Yeah, yeah, I definitely see a future where kind of the internet enables people to network and find communities of like-minded people and then congregate physically with one another and be able to kind of build societies or have conversations that aren't trying to convince the rest of the world to get on your same page, but just go, oh, you know what, we feel this way and we want to do it like this, and so we're going to do that. And I'm excited about the fact that technology, I think, is going to enable a new era of uh, kind of human civilization to come in where we can start thinking about structuring our social relations more in terms of voluntary participation rather than being like, well, I live here. And so I have to convert everyone who's surrounding me and on the streets to share my opinion. You're never going to get anywhere with that. Um, so, yeah, I've got a series called Wonderland Online. If there I talk about these ideas and I'm going to be releasing another episode at the end of December
0: go to welcome to wonderland.substack.com that's how you uh, find it highly recommend uh, please uh, support jane gatsby here and uh, one last super chat from dungachino 199 uh, uh, bard will pakistan's collapse be good for the world
1: i'm not sure pakistan will collapse who came up with that idea i think iran is close to collapse at the moment
0: yeah. Maybe he meant Iran, I don't know. Yeah. But uh yeah. Yeah. Okay, they're different countries.
1: Okay. <laughs> Learn geography, then you can ask questions. <laughs> uh.
0: That's the gatekeeping already in effect right now. Anybody <laughs> who says uh, uh Pakistan instead of saying Iran, they're not welcome in the club. Uh anyway, uh Gnostic, what would you like
4: to plug? What's coming up for you, my man? Uh just check out my channel, youtube.com slash Gnostic Informant, do a lot of stuff on mythology, ancient history, uh Yeah. And and psychedelic stuff like, you know, philosophy, shit like that. And you have Alexander on as well. Yeah. A few times and more to come for sure.
0: Excellent. And uh, Jack, what would you like to plug? Of course, the uh, Patreon Perfume Nationalist. Yeah, it's
2: Patreon.com slash Perfume Nationalist. I'm
0: about to do
2: my 200th episode. Uh, I have a ton of episodes up for free on Apple and the usual places um, but the show is intended to be listened to from start to finish from the very beginning. So you have a lot of work to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, please subscribe to the continuing story. Um, I it's, it's basically a book club for me now where I just. You know, talk to people about, uh, movies and books, a little, have a little, have a little meeting every week. So yeah, nice. Fun.
1: And, and do people find you on Twitter or Grinder or both?
2: Uh, both. Hopefully, <laughs> um, on Twitter, I'm at Lotus underscore underscore Point. Um, I don't currently have a Grinder uh, profile, so I guess just DM me on Twitter.
0: And who is the actress that you have on Lotus Point? The Avatar. She looks very familiar.
2: It's Donna Mills from Knots Landing, which is my the greatest uh, nighttime drama of all time, uh, and it's the source of my old theme song and it's kind of an a sort of organizing work to what i do i'm just obsessed with soap oh, operas so
0: she's got very fiery hair like well, Paulia loves
2: her uh Pollya did an interview with her like 20 years ago and uh palya mm-hmm. loved night's landing and used her character abby as uh the uh, the uh exemplar of the amazon feminist that she talks about
0: Nice. And Alexander, I know you never want to do plugs, but is there any final thing you would like to say before we go?
1: OK, and event is finally coming out. It's coming out in April 2023. Thank and Protestant you. event is going to be 1,200 pages thick. I'm going to hit you Hello. on your heads with it. It's taken five <laughs> years to write. Yeah. Uh, Neil is very into it, so he gets, he gets the ideas in the book. It's coming next year. That's nice. the only thing I'd plug. Other than that, I'm going to go out in the forest and kill animals with lesbians. <laughs> um because lesbians are great hunters and uh that's how gay i am i'm basically a lesbian with a built-in dildo as my girlfriend calls me <laughs> so that's why i'm lgbt uh, and uh the rest of the winter i plan to spend in bali Nice. Yeah.
0: And uh, guys, don't forget to follow me at Love po on Twitter. And one final thing before we all go. If you want to support Break the Rules, become a patron at patreon.com slash break the rules. But also, what is really going to help for the 54 people who are watching this currently right now, all 54 of you, even if you're casually doing something else, cooking, whatever, while you're watching this, go back to the computer right now click the like button. We got to get all the likes in there. Click the bell to make sure you're subscribed and getting notified of every single episode. And lastly, what's extremely important, take this link right after the stream is done and share this with everybody. Well, not everybody, you know, if that takes too long, but with the people who you think this is going to resonate to the most. Share it with them right now. I cannot stress that enough. I'm talking to all 54 of you right now. As soon as the stream is over, share it. So thank you guys so much for watching. We will see you very soon Uh, give my love to everybody